0: All right, welcome in everybody to Believe in the Wolf Pack. This is the fifth episode coming to you and going over a lot today. Going over the men's basketball game, mostly the men's basketball game against Tennessee this past Saturday. Women's basketball picks up another win against USF and then football. We're getting a lot of news about transfers and recruits. The national signing day for any high school recruit is this Wednesday, the 20th. We'll get to that later, but like I said, starting off with the men's game against Tennessee they lost 79 to 70 if you could not tune in uh drops their record to 7 and 3 and honestly a 9 point loss it wasn't the worst loss they played pretty well they played really well i thought in the second half they were close they got down by 12 at one point yeah this is this is where i think you know this is where they kind of lost the game you go down by 12 and then the run happens, and then you go on an eleven to one run, and and, and then at some point, eleven to one was the biggest run uh, of the game for them. I think at one point it was an eleven to three, and then like a thirteen to 5, a 13 to three run, thirteen to five run, something like that. Um, but at one point they tied the game in the second half with I think six minutes left. But you tied the game because of the run. And you couldn't really keep it going. Then you got cold. And then you started to fall behind. And then you got right back down, down by 10, I think. And so you needed to stay closer. You need to be down by five, down by four, have that run to where you're out with the lead. So if Tennessee goes on another run, then you can try to halt them, try to, you know, slow the pace, slow the tempo and whatnot. But yeah, I I think right there, you got to keep that game closer and then go on that run to try to put them away. Because going into halftime, it was 34 to 31. So, I mean, you were there. You were in the game. They, the entire first half, it was a low scoring first half. I mean, 34 to 31, that's maybe not very low scoring, but it is kind of, if I had to pick, it was on the lower scoring side, the below average uh, scoring side, uh, especially compared to the second half. The second half, Tennessee scored 45 points, NC State scored 39. So, I mean, Obviously, first half was lower scoring, but that's also because in the second half, both teams got into the double bonus very quickly. That was one of the things. There were a few signs in this game where I really thought NC State had a legit chance to, you know, pull this one out. And one of them was at the start of the second half. NC State was just attacking on the offensive end, just going right at the volunteer defenders and 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 getting them in the foul trouble. The starters, only one starter, Adu, had zero personal fouls. Connect had two, Ziegler had two, Biscovi had three personal fouls, and Josiah Jordan-James, who was incredible, had four personal fouls. Even off the bench, Awaka had four personal fouls. So, I mean, you were attacking these guys early on. They got into the bonus, the one-on-one bonus, very early. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, if they can keep it close and kind of build a lead, or maybe not build a huge lead, but just, you know, two, three, four-point advantage later in the game with about five minutes left, you can just draw some fouls, head to the line, knock down a pair of free throws, and that may suffice. Who knows? But that that was one of the signs early on in the first half, how they kept it close and were, you know, only down by three going into halftime. I really thought, like, all right, cool, just keep the game close the entire time, and then with about... 5 6 minutes left. Go on that run, go on that. 10 to nothing run, that 12 to nothing run and really try to bury them and you know, not even allow them the opportunity to fight back in this game. Um that was and then, and then the final sign to me was holding Dalton Connect to two points. I was going to say seven. Yeah, yeah if you if held them to seven points it would have been a win. But you held them to one for seven from the field. With two points. That's unbelievable. That is exactly what you know. I was I was asking for in the last episode was to contain him because he can just go off in an instant. I mean, Josiah Jordan James and Ziegler obviously stepped up for him, each with 20 plus points. But Connect is 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 the guy who can just explode for these big 30-point games, high 20-point games, and the hot shooting from outside, where you hold him to two points. And only one three-point attempt didn't even go to the free throw line, couldn't draw a foul at all. Completely shut down Dalton Connect. That was oof. I saw him struggling in the first half. I'm thinking, hey, this is looking this this, this might be it. This is looking pretty good right now. But wasn't meant to be. Like I said, Josiah Jordan James, he tied his career high with 23 points for the volunteers i mean he was on fire the entire game he was six of ten from not from beyond six of ten from the field five of seven from beyond which is unbelievable for him seven rebounds three assists like he, he he was he was their best player that night ziegler was right behind him ziegler had 20 points and eight eight assists that coming off an acl injury last year where tennessee was kind of they went to the sweet 16 yeah but they were looking like They had a legit chance to really make a push at a national championship. I mean, even with the teams that made it last year, they really had a legit chance. Anybody had a legit chance, except for Purdue. (laughs) Always funny. Um, But if Ziegler stays healthy, they may make the Elite Eight or the Final Four. That may be a different Tennessee team. We may even be thinking that this is a different Tennessee team who just jumped back into the top 10 with today's rankings after the good win over NC State and a few wins overall. The rankings have been just an entire mess. I mean, even this past Saturday, we had some great games. Purdue beating Arizona, giving them their first loss of the year. Kentucky and North Carolina in a dogfight. Oh, my God. That game game came down to the wire. Uh, Kentucky ended up winning that one. That was a big jump for Kentucky. I think they are now... Ninth? I think they may have jumped into the top ten. Yeah, they are ninth. Yeah, they jumped five spots, and North Carolina dropped two. And those five spots are pretty much all because of the win over North Carolina. Tennessee jumped four spots, and Oklahoma jumped four spots. Other than that, not too much movement. Clemson dropped five spots because of their loss this week, first loss of the year to Memphis. I actually, didn't check the USC. Yeah, I didn't think they were going to put USC. I keep thinking that they're going to put USC in the top 25 just because of Collier and Bronny James, just to, you know, kind of push that a little more, but I don't even think they have any votes. I'm trying to look under. No, nothing. TCU, Michigan State, South Carolina, Mississippi State. And, uh, yeah, no. but Ole Miss jumped into the top 25. They moved up one spot, and then Miami and Northwestern dropped. Oh, and Memphis jumped in for uh, for beating Clemson so good for them but it wasn't all you know doom and gloom oh you know <laughs> NC State you know they had their chances lost them they still had some solid performances DJ Burns was six of ten from the field with 15 points five rebounds five assists he really turned it on in the second half he was just going to work he was a probably the main reason that the Wolfpack went on that big 11 to one run he was just going to Work on that low block, a little kind of hook shot with the left or the right turnaround jumpers, just a soft touch around the rim. They were beautiful to start out the game. I thought he was really kind of forcing some shots on the inside, like kind of just getting it in and just putting up a bad look just to try to see one fall through and kind of get his rhythm early, which I like the idea. It just, I, I would have liked if they were better attempts. But still, 15 points, 5 boards, 5 assists. That's a solid game. Uh, Jaden Ta- Jaden Taylor, pardon me, not the best game. 2 for 9 from the field. Still finished with 11 points and 4 rebounds, 2 assists. And was 6 of 6 from the free throw line. So, that was a good sign to see. <laughs> Had someone go 100% from the stripe and then dj horn led the team in points with 16 points he was just on fire in the first half hit his first threes first three threes and finished with 11 points in the first half i mean just him again that was another sign him just airing it out and drilling them from deep i really thought that nc state could have you know pulled this one out and and Made it a bit more, you know, exciting (laughs) for my biased self. But even then, he only had five points in the second half. So Tennessee really tightened up uh, guarding DJ Horn and pretty much played a, hey, anybody else can beat us type of game. One thing that I was kind of surprised about, uh, Cam Woods making his NC State debut, the transfer, coming off the bench, played 18 minutes off the bench. That led anybody. He played the most minutes off the bench. MJ Rice was behind him with 13. Ben Middlebrooks had only played eight minutes. But in those eight minutes, he gave a solid eight minutes. Let me tell you, Mo D.R. only with five minutes and didn't record a stat. So I think he's still maybe a little uh, banged up, a little injured, half injured or whatnot. But I was surprised to see Cam Woods kind of be thrown out there off the bench and in the six-man role for the night. He had nine points, was two for two from deep, had the one deep three from uh, the nearside wing. <laughs> and from the angle, it kind of looked like one of those like catapult shots. Like you shoot from the hip, but <laughs> I just thought that was funny. That's how everybody shot a basketball in grade school. Uh, he had four rebounds and two turnovers, two fouls. But I was surprised to see him get that many minutes in his debut against... Tennessee. I was I was thinking like you know if you're gonna get a, a debut in for a guy who's really never played here. I, I think you do that against like a, a team like a UT Martin or the next game, which is a perfect example. You're playing St. Louis and you already, <laughs> according to ESPN, you have a 90 percent chance to win that game. But yeah, that's the next game for the Wolfpack this Wednesday, the 20th, taking on St. Louis. Uh, like I said, I already have a ninety percent chance to win. I'm hoping that <laughs> it's, it, it's 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 as actually hundred percent. Would like a nice beat down, a nice blowout. Like I said last week or one of the shows, I'll take a blowout over a close, exciting game every single time. Blowing out a team is just is much more exciting to me. Just pure dominance is so much more exciting, and I'm sure. Every player would much rather just <laughs> completely destroy the other team. Why would you want to keep it close and be stressed? No, put them in the dirt. Just just run away with it from the jump. I love it. So, But that is the next men's game this Wednesday against St. Louis. Hopefully a nice bounce back game after this tough loss to a very good Tennessee team. Just a reminder, their only losses are to Kansas, Purdue, and North Carolina. They're 8-3 on the year. This is a very good Tennessee team that can – and also an experienced Tennessee team. They're like NC State where they have a ton of guys who are grad transfers and, and fifth-year guys, seniors. I think Josiah Jordan-James, Ziegler, and Dalton connect. And I think even Adu. Their four main guys are all either grad years, fifth years, something like that, using their COVID year. So this is an experienced – Tennessee team that I think can make a solid run. Moving on to women's basketball, a quiet week. They played USF, won that game 66 to 54. Still third in the country, still just, you know, doing their thing. um Still no Rivers, Sonia Rivers. She's still a bit injured, but hopefully it, it doesn't seem like it's a long term injury. Just probably being precautious with, you know, some of these games around the holiday time, New Year that aren't as important as the conference games coming up uh, starting in January. Like I said, uh, Virginia Tech, I think, is the first game. But the one thing from this game, if you're going to take anything from this USF game, is the the starters versus the bench. Now I know, you know, the starters are going to be the strength and they're going to get all the minutes. But man, nobody under 30 minutes for the starters. Collins played 30 minutes Baldwin 37 total minutes Zoe Brooks 35 minutes James 35 minutes Hayes 35 minutes and then Lacey Steele had 13 minutes off the bench the scoring for the starters was incredible 16 points for River Baldwin 16 points for Isaiah James 12 points for Madison Hayes 12 points and 7 rebounds for Zoe Brooks and then 9 points for Mimi Collins oh and then River Baldwin had actually Sorry, I missed a few here. River Baldwin had 16 points and 11 rebounds. And then Isaiah James, with the 16 points, had 6 rebounds and 5 assists. So that's very even scoring. Nearly everybody, Collins missed one free throw. That would have put the entire starting five into double figures. That's great. I love even scoring. If you can get this kind of production every game, you're not going to lose many games, if any games. So... I love seeing that, but you still need some kind of production from your bench. Only one point from the bench. Now, granted, in total, the three bench players Steele, Collier, and Cox only played 28 total minutes. But Lacey Steele, who is the 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 sixth man for 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 this game, 15 minutes, one point. <laughs> later in the year in conference play and especially in the tournament you need some bench production you can't fully rely on your starters although i am a big believer in you'll go you'll only go as far in the tournament as your best player best players can take you um but still that doesn't mean that (laughs) the bench players get the night off and they can just you know relax and not do anything you still need some kind of production So, that's the one thing. Just hoping for some better production uh, out of the bench in their next matchup, which is also this Wednesday. They take on ODU, who actually, I think, just blew a 28-point lead for football in uh, in their bowl game. Who are they playing? Western Kentucky, I think? Yeah, I think they just blew a big lead and lost their bowl game, so that stinks. But... Hopefully, they lose this Wednesday to the Women's Wolfpack as well. Maybe we get some more bench scoring. Who knows? But, again, a win is a win. You'll take a win every single time. I don't care how you do it. An ugly win is still a win. Still goes down the line. You're not going to – well, you may remember. I'll probably remember. But, still, you'll say, hey, it was a win. Doesn't matter how you get them, as long as you get them. We're going to step away for a moment. But when we come back, going to get into some football talk and why the NC State Wolfpack have one of the best – transfer classes in the country. All right, welcome back in to Believe in the Wolfpack, hosted by yours truly, Luke Nichols. Happy to report that NC State football has the fifth best transfer, I guess, transfer portal recruitment? Transfers? Fifth fifth best transfer class. That's the expression. That sounds much better. Fifth best transfer class in the country. Not just in the ACC, in the country. They're just pulling four stars and and three stars and just attracting talent, just bringing in talent left and right. The most recent recruits, one of them just (laughs) staying in conference, Jordan Waters, the running back from Duke. He had a really solid year this year, had 753 rushing yards with 12 touchdowns, only seven receptions, not a receiving back, but. You don't expect that from him. You expect him to just churn yards, fall in the end zone, get six every time. But, yeah, he's a four-star transfer. Not even leaving the state. (laughs) Just a better program over here. What can you say? Whatever. And then you got Tamarcus Cooley, the cornerback from Maryland, who just came over to NC State. MJ Morris going to Maryland. Cooley coming to NC State. Nice little trade. We'll take that all day long. But, man, this class is really just shaping up to be something special. I mean, I don't even remember if I touched on uh, Justin Justin Jolly. I think he was the, yeah, he's a tight end, four-star tight end from Juco, who is now committed to the Wolfpack. So, this is just, again, wildly early. In, in transfer portal times, there's still plenty of guys who have yet to make their decisions, even guys who may, you know, want to play in their bowl game and then transfer out. So it, you really never know. It's going to be the transfer portal never sleeps. There, there could be guys in the transfer portal in June and still have eligibility <laughs> to play in the upcoming year. I still love it. I, I just think the NIL money. And everything kind of coming through is a big reason why uh, all these guys are coming here. But I, it, it, it's incredible. It's just, it's it's great to see. It's every day a new guy, a, a new lineman, linebacker, tight end, whatever, is committing to the Wolfpack. It's every day now. Who knows? Maybe they could have got Ty Thompson, canceled his visit because McCall committed here. Which, I hey, take grace McCall all day long. But who knows? Like, really, who knows? It's oh, it's unbelievable, although the one sad note that I will get to, I saw a report that Peyton Wilson is not playing in the Pop-Tart Bowl now. I can't blame him. <laughs> I really can't blame him. Unanimous All-American first team on every team. His, his, his stock's only going to rise. He's going to get drafted. He's going to be at worst a day two pick, at worst. Day two. So I can't blame him. It's the right decision. Best of luck to him going forward. Obviously be following him every step of the way. Uh, one quick note before I want to get into, you know, some NFL guys who hopefully Peyton Wilson can join uh, this list of stud NFL players putting up big performances <laughs> and also into NC State. But National Recruiting Day, I mentioned it earlier, is this Wednesday, uh, December 20th. So that's kind of the last real official day. Yeah, some guys can kind of, you know, get a late commit every now and then. But for the most part, this signing day is when the bulk of the big-time recruits kind of announce where they're going, where they're signing, if they haven't already. Um, Most of them have already kind of announced, hey, yeah, going here, going here. Unless you're Dylan Raiola, who just, like, just flipped to Nebraska, um, most of the guys have already committed. Rayola, the top quarterback commit in the 2024 class, originally committed to Georgia. He's from Georgia, but flipped to Nebraska. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's surprising. It's very very surprising to me. Um, I may have mentioned it. I may have either said it on the show last week or said it in my head to myself. I know I said it on twitter at believe in the wolf if you're not following um but how nebraska is kind of gonna become texas in my mind <laughs> where they keep saying they're back and they're gonna have a big game or a good year and say that they're back but then they lose a big game or they lose a ball game and then they're not actually back or they have like a really bad loss where they look like the nebraska of the last two years that is just mediocre, average at best. Uh, so I think they may turn into the new Texas. To- Texas is fully back. You make the college football playoff, and you have Arch Manning waiting behind Quinn Ewers, you're fully back. That's that's That conversation is done. That's why Nebraska is the new Texas in my mind. But obviously getting Rayola is huge for them. Wouldn't be surprised if he starts next year. Uh, even if he doesn't, you give him a year and then – you got a five-star recruit uh, coming in in the year 2025. Weird to think we're pretty much a year out from 2025. Really messes with my head. But, who knows? But, again, recruiting day is this Wednesday. Some of the notable recruits for the Wolfpack so far, Terrell Anderson, Elijah Groves, Jonathan Payler, Ronnie Royal, uh, Cedric Bailey, and a bunch of others <laughs> be here almost the entire night getting through names, but they still got some offers out there still, you know, some guys can completely flip. Maybe the crystal ball is saying, Hey, there's a hundred percent chance. This guy goes to Hawaii. And then last second flips to NC state. You never know. That's why recruiting day is (laughs) always exciting. I'm going to be, I'm going to be keeping up with it. And then we'll kind of go over, have a full rundown of all the recruits uh, coming in next year on Thursday's show. So, Make sure you tune in for that. But last thing before we wrap up for the night or day, whenever you're listening, uh, I want to shout out or just kind of, you know, make a known about these NFL guys that went to the Wolfpack and had big weekends, or I guess even weeks, because we had Jacoby Myers on Thursday. Jacoby Myers, receiver for the Raiders, had a receiving touchdown. That's pretty cool. You may be thinking, oh, all right, well, he's a receiver you know that's what he does he catches touchdowns he also threw a touchdown pass (laughs) when it was 42 to nothing in the Raiders and Chargers game Jacoby Myers throws a touchdown pass to Devontae Adams gets a little handoff gets a toss and they're at like the three yard line if that uh and he just flips it up Devontae Adams quick catch touchdown Ended up in just a stupid win. What was the final score? 63 to 21, I believe it was. My God, just an embarrassment. And Jacoby Myers accounted for two of those. It's, it, well, 14 of those 63 points, I want to say, because he made the extra point each time. I'll give him credit on the extra point as well. But it's always fun seeing a receiver throw. Uh Throw a touchdown pass or do some kind of trickery like that. But also, back to my point about the, you know, blowouts and complete domination. Ask any Raiders fan if they would rather have a close, fun game or a game like that. Take a game like that all day long. All day long. Absolutely. I would love hey, strolling into the Pop-Tart Bowl if the Wolfpack can beat Kansas State 63-21. to incredible that'd be great that's all i would talk about for five weeks um but moving on bj hill the defensive tackle for the bengals had maybe the shortest interception of all time on nick mullins i don't even know if they were trying to set up a screen i think i think nick mullins just tried to get the ball away and bj hill was wrapping him up bringing him down to the ground nick mullins just tries to get rid of it it was going to be an intentional grounding unless you know the running back who, who would have been in alexander madison wasn't it i think it was ty chandler ty chandler would have been the nearest guy i don't know if he was in the vicinity but he just throws it right to bj hill kind of hits hill right in the chest and then he kind of bobbles it hangs on to it never touches the ground it was an interception they ruled it a fumble but it was an interception they later reviewed it and looked at it and said yeah it's an interception and he was seven yards behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> he was at least seven yards behind the line of scrimmage. It was, it, it had to be the shortest interception of all time. I don't think, I mean, unless a quarterback is running backwards far enough and just airs it out or just tosses it to somebody, like, you know, the Bobby Boucher move, or he just throws it at him like a chest pass, but. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious you're look- I'm looking at it like what is he doing <laughs> uh it's always funny when quarterbacks try to make a play like that when you know and they know and everybody knows that there's just no chance it works out well but they still try it it's like the Jameis Winston and Carson Wentz play where it's like this isn't gonna work but it's gonna be funny watching it and it's worth it uh and then the last guy with probably the biggest day was Bradley Chubb Three sacks, two forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery in a 30 to nothing win over the Jets. It's the Jets. They're terrible. Yeah, we got that. Their offensive line stinks. But three sacks in one game is incredible, especially two forced fumbles. That's unbelievable. Bradley Chubb just continuing to show off why he was, you know, rightfully so, a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Oh, actually, I missed one guy, Jacoby Brissett. He came in at quarterback in relief of uh, Sam Howell, who just he didn't get hurt. He just. Wasn't playing well. Uh Jacoby Brissett came in relief uh for Sam Howe for the Commanders when they were down. I want to say 28-14. I don't think it was 28-7. I'm pretty sure it was 28-14 to the Rams. And Jacoby Brissett threw a touchdown to Terry McLaurin. Uh nearly got oh, no, it was twenty eight to seven then. Yeah, because he got a touchdown to Tyry McLaurin and they scored another touchdown. And I think they ended up losing twenty-eight to twenty which I'm not putting on Jacoby Brissett. I mean, he still played well coming off the bench, getting some minutes this year. I just think Ron Rivera doesn't understand clock management. I I kept looking, you know, watching. I was watching Red Zone for the most part, and I kept looking up and seeing they're still inside the five-yard line. They were inside the five-yard line for what felt like a half hour. I think they were inside the five-yard line from the five-minute mark to the inside the two-minute warning maybe it was embarrassing it was so bad I don't how do you do that how do you mess up that bad how do you take up that much time when if you score you're down by just one possession you can get an onside kick and try and win the game but you just take that much time they were taking their sweet time to get the ball off chewing the clock to like one second trying to run it up the middle maybe I think they tried a QB sneak at one point that didn't work but oh my god it was just embarrassing And Ron Rivera's been around. Like, he should understand clock management. It looked like he just was not trying to score. I don't want to say he doesn't understand clock management because then I'm going to get into my whole thing about how I think most most people who play Madden understand clock management better than some coaches in real-life situations. Now, I know it's an entirely different scenario between a video game and real life, but you give me the ball with one timeout in a minute 30 i guarantee you i can get at least inside the 20 yard line with either that one timeout or with 40 seconds to work with i just i know how to use my timeouts i want to be smart with the ball nc state the commanders call me up i'll happily coach or just be the time management coach time management consultant it'd be great i'd love it pay me a six-figure salary i'll tell you when to call timeouts handshake deal. Perfect. Alright, that's gonna wrap up <laughs> the fifth episode of Believing the Wolfpack. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.